Today's episode of The Mask Man Show is brought to you by SeatGeek, our presenting sponsor and the only fan-friendly app for buying and selling sports and music tickets. SeatGeek makes buying tickets on your phone a total snap. With just two taps, you can instantly buy tickets to an event that same day. Have your tickets delivered straight to your phone and enter the event without ever having to print a ticket. And if you can't go to the game or the show, you can sell your tickets directly from the app in less than 30 seconds. With SeatGeek, there's no guesswork. You'll know exactly where you're sitting, what you'll pay, and whether or not you're getting a good deal all right from your phone. So drop your old ticket app and experience buying and selling tickets the way it should be. To start using SeatGeek, download the free SeatGeek app or go to SeatGeek.com. Welcome to the Masked Man Show. Welcome to, uh, to to Channel Thirty Three. Welcome to the Ringer. Um, uh, this is not a website. This is a podcast. But anyway, I'm sitting here on this wonderful, wonderful, lovely morning with my old friend Aubrey Sitterson. Hey, Aubrey, man. how you doing? I'm good. How are you? Thanks for having me. Uh, thanks. Thanks for coming on. And man. welcome to LA, man. How long have you been out here? Just under two months, I think. It's are been you, a blur. Are you Are you on board yet? Oh yeah. Like I'm working really hard at this job. Yeah. Uh, but you know, if I'm going to be working a job where I just get to go outside and like breathe fresh air a few times a day, I'd rather it be LA air than New York air. <laughs> yeah, I mean, man. that, that much I can this say. This is kind of a, this is kind of a brutal summer for you to have moved out here. Cause it's been like unseasonably nasty, nasty It's funny hot. because the, the, the first, like, I mean the, the first literally like four out of five times I came to LA when I was writing for Grantland, I would mm-hmm. come out during the summer and almost every time it would, I would come out and people would be like, oh, it's a heat wave. Everybody's losing their mind. And it and then it would, I'd go outside and it would be like ninety degrees and I'd be like this is not a heat wave like right. you know it's a different thing in the south it's hot, hotter in New York at least ninety degrees in New York it's like you know air conditioners are breaking and Dude, stuff I'm like you I grew up in in the south and then moved to New York and so I am I, I thought myself well conditioned for humidity but I just I've been out here for four years now and it's just like this summer because El Nino I guess I don't know like it's just are we still blaming El Nino yeah I am do you uh, think Vince McMahon <laughs> wakes up every day mad that he didn't wow, go through El Nino it? yeah there's no El Nino gimmick that he I'm su- yeah I'm surprised that's not what he did with the Cologne boys yeah the, oh Los Ninos yeah the Ninos and then have him be like the natural disasters meets like Carlito yeah, yeah. I, I we gotta don't put this on the air this is too good of an idea no I just, I just give it away at this point <laughs> Like three years ago, I had the idea to do John Cena socks, and I didn't say it on the podcast because I wanted to do. I like wanted keep some in your back pocket. Yeah, have a, and have then, a retirement plan. And then it just then like everybody like a year later, everybody sort of figured the joke out, you know. Like, but I just thought it'd be really great if they made like '80s tube so- like stripy tube socks. Yeah, with like John Cena colors, and he'd wear them. Yeah, and then like when everybody's chanting John Cena sucks, you just his fans wave them like rally towels, you've and they the built say, in. You got the built in like Mick Foley cameo. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's a lot. There's a lot going on there. Did they actually sell socks from Socko at any point? Uh, I I'm sure they did. I mean, I know they sold the Santino snake uh, cobra puppets. Oh yeah, those uh, were sort of like wind socks, though. Yeah. Weird. I didn't really mean, but yeah, it was. Uh, they, those were like more like acrylic or whatever. Right. Yeah. I don't. I don't know. I don't. I don't know what what the the McFoley ones were made out of. Um. Anyway, that's, that's the show. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Yeah, that's really good. Uh, you have any plugs you want to do? Um, so anyway, we ran into each other a couple weeks ago, a week and a half ago, at uh, PWG. Yeah, man. And there's a lot of, I mean, obviously this show is is 99.9% about WWE and, and, it, and its goings on, but part of moving to LA for me was like getting to go to PWG. There were so many times that I would come out and I'd miss it by a week or like whatever, you know, and, and I could never... 
I never quite got around to like making that the focus of a whole trip. Well, and and it's kinda, tough. I, it's I'm, tough to do it too because it they is. announce it so last minute and tickets go so fast that. I don't and know. I, and I'm honestly, I'm envious I'm, of people who can do it. I'm about to say a million nice things about PWG. I'm almost glad I never, I didn't try to write the giant PWG piece before. I mean, it, to go to like go out of my way to do it because mm-hmm. it's there's there's a like there's so many wonderful things you can say about it. At the end of the day, it's sort of the platonic ideal of an indie wrestling show, and it's not. Like, if, if your expectations get too high, you might be disappointed. Yeah, for me, it's the platonic idea of a wrestling show, period. Yeah. You know? Like, I mean, and to your point, like, I'm I'm hesitant to talk about it. Like, we talk about it on... We used to talk about it on my show more. Um, and I'm hesitant to talk about it publicly at all at this point, because it is already impossible to get tickets. Yeah. And it sells out in, uh, honestly, three minutes. Like, Bolo, which is three nights. And it's their biggest thing of the year. Bolo's Battle of Los Angeles. And it's coming up on... Um, is it Memorial Day or Labor Day? What's coming up? Labor Day. Labor Day. It's coming up on Labor Day weekend. And it sold out in literally three minutes. Yeah. Literally three minutes. Uh, by 8.04, they were gone. Um, so I'm hesitant to talk about it because I don't want anybody else to come. <laughs> well, they can't come. I mean, what they they... Can't, I mean but, but yeah, I don't, I don't want to make it any harder for me to get tickets than it already is. But yeah, man, it's, it is a small, small, like, what do you think? Like 400 people get in there? Yeah, I'm bad with numbers, but that was that's what I guessed when I was sitting in there that night. 400 people in American Legion Hall. Uh, beer is cheap and plentiful, and you get a my move is I get a pitcher just for myself, so I don't have to get up too many times. Yeah, and drink right out of that like an animal. And you are right by the action. There are no guardrails. Um, it's the it's the Not indie. A, it's the all star indies. Yeah, right. I need. Uh, yeah, it's it's impossible. It's impossible to uh, to to emphasize overemphasize how. Um, close you are to the ring first of all they've they figured out how to get as many chairs in there as humanly possible yeah man to the point where i was one of the first i don't know 50 people in yeah and by the time i got to my or by the time we staked out our seats there was already a, a section like on the back side of the ring where like a row had been like a row had totally been nullified by other people like like actually if you sit down in rows like C and E, then row D disappears because there's just not enough leg room. Yeah, like they've crammed so many seats and in. And everybody has to pull forward so yeah. they can put in the standing room only people behind that's them. That's it. Then there's standing it's room nuts. only behind people sitting on the stage as if that's actually seats. There's and then like you said, you're Would you right. say they're hanging from the rafters? Oh yeah. If there were rafters, they would be they, they would be hanging. Um they're, they're, people are sitting very close to the ring, but the best part is, like you said, they just serve beer based by the pitcher. Everybody's yeah. carrying pitchers around. There's the line. 12 bucks, which, like, if you live in a big uh, city, if you live in a big city, that is a phenomenal deal. Like, I know, like, I, again, I, you're from Tennessee and I am from uh, Texas, or North Carolina, Texas, Kentucky. Kentucky's the main one, yeah. Oh, I thought you, I thought you grew up watching Memphis. Memphis stuff. in Louisville, Kentucky. Oh, shit. Can I say shit? Yeah, you can say whatever you Fuck! want. Fuck! Uh, the um, no, I grew up in Virginia, so twelve dollars for a picture doesn't sound that great to like young Aubrey. Sure, but to Aubrey now, uh, that is a phenomenal deal. Yeah. Uh, did you get um, a picture? Oh yeah, lots of pictures. But the thing, but what I was gonna say is the line for the beer, if it gets long, and it was long for most of the night, just runs by ringside. So there's like it starts it starts sort of in the back of the house, but if there's forty people in line, then like the fortieth dude is literally like leaning on the ring while a match is going but here's, on. But here's the best part about that: once once Excalibur comes out, once he starts doing the spiel, once the match Excalibur's is one of the founders and is <laughs> yeah. sort of like the, uh, the like MC. the moral compass slash MC of the show. Yeah, and and yeah. the commentator. 
Um, oh, that's right. He does commentary as well. Um, but yeah, like as soon as the show actually starts, all those people in line, like everybody's always very worried. Like, oh man, I'm not gonna be able to see. No, everybody's super respectful and they get down on their knees and uh, and worship Excalibur. No, they get down on their knees so you can see over their heads yeah. and they don't block the action. It's, I don't know. I mean, like it's, everybody knows how great the talent that goes to PWG is, right? And it's, it's become sort of the last stop on the indies before people get signed by WWE mm-hmm. um, in, in a lot of ways, right? You can point to a ton of examples. Uh, and that's a big part of how, like, when I first started going, like, four years ago, it was um, 2012 Bola was the first show I went to. And I went to both nights. It was only two nights back then. And both nights, probably only two-thirds full. Um, they didn't do the standing room only seating. Uh, there were lots of empty seats. Uh, the whole the, In the same venue. In the same venue. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the area over by the bar, uh, there were no seats there because they had merch tables set up. And they, they sold PWG DVDs throughout the show, right? Not just at intermission and yeah. stuff. And they had um, – the the talent had um, their shirts and stuff laid out there. So you could buy it even when, you know, they're not physically sitting yeah. right there. Uh, and they've gotten rid of all that just to jam more people in there. And it's because – I think the tipping point really was um, El Generico's last last appearance. Really? Yeah. Like that was when it really started to pick up because – because he, he did that, and then he went to NXT soon afterward. Um, so that by the time that it was Kevin Owen or Kevin Steen at the time's last show there, I remember it being just so absurdly packed in there. And that was like the big attraction. Everybody knew it was his last his last appearance in PWG. And I, I have to assume that they changed the card around to accommodate this because I forget who – oh, he was facing Trevor Lee, and he, and he lost clean. Trevor oh, Lee right. beat him clean. It was dope. Um, and – I have to assume that that was supposed to be near the end of the card, but they had it happen right before intermission, right? And seriously, like half the crowd cleared out afterwards. Um, they didn't see the wow. rest of the show. Yeah, I mean, it was ungodly hot. It was as hot as I've well, ever been. Okay, in there. it's really warm in there. That's yeah. the one, the one piece of advice I got over and over again. And yeah. I, 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 you disregarded myself. it. I saw you show up in a. You had a, you had two layers of clothing on. Yeah, well, I mean, I took off the outer layer. <laughs> I was wearing I was wearing a sleeveless shirt and shorts. Yeah, you were wearing like a tank top I when I saw up. you, and somehow you were wearing less by the time the yeah. show ended. Oh, I put my hair up, so it just it's, it felt like less. But no, it is outrageously hot. In Has there. anybody ID'd you from from PWG like DVDs or like or streams or whatever? What do you I, mean? Has anybody said like, "Hey, I saw you in the front row at PWG"? Like ever in my life? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So people man. see you all the time. Yeah, dude. And people send me um like pictures and gifts and videos and stuff uh online all the time. Like whenever whenever a PWG DVD comes out, I usually get like That's awesome. photos. And like did you see the preview uh that they put up oh, yesterday? No. Yeah, man, cuz they do their DVD previews. I am all over that because like there was the big um <laughs> like uh the big Chuck Taylor uh I guess he's not called but what's he called now? Dustin no, like, I thought it was still Chuck Taylor. I, I somebody was telling me that like there's a thing in Chikara, so he's not Chuck Taylor anymore. Oh, okay. Um, and Trent question mark. Uh, like the big thing where it spilled out of the ring. Uh, also like I don't know. I had I had a good seat this time because like all the action seemed to kind of gravitate towards me. Uh, yeah, I'm all over the preview, which is super fun. That's awesome. Yeah, man. That's a good, that's a good thing to be known for. Yeah, just being up in the best wrestling going on right now. In well, so here's the thing. I mean, like I feel like we're we're kind of dancing around like what for me makes it so great is yeah dustin apparently chuck taylor's i mean it's his real name but also but that's what he's going by now right i guess yeah, yeah. i somebody corrected me online very well actually fashion uh, uh another kentucky guy i like him for that there you I, go uh, i really almost got <laughs> one of his kentucky gentlemen was kentucky gentleman is that his nickname yep. t-shirts and i couldn't why 
I, I knew if I bought one t-shirt, I would buy a hundred t-shirts. Like I was just oh at PWG, uh, yeah at PWG. Dude, I had a friend come out. His name is Dustin. Um, he comes on my show a bunch, and he has his own show, uh, making towns and getting networked. Uh, and he came out and he, he for Bola last year, and he bought I swear to God like fifteen t-shirts. Yeah. <laughs> he bought a t-shirt from everybody just because he was having such a blast. And that's the thing is it is. We talked about this a little bit at the show, like coming from New York where, you know, like there are, there are wrestling meccas in New York, Hammerstein Ballroom for sure. Although oh, yeah. Ring of Honor doesn't run there anymore, right? Uh, they haven't been running there, okay. but I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what the inside dirt is, if they're going to come back or whatever. I have no idea. But when I was still there, they did. Uh, we went to shows there, right? Hammerstein yeah, yeah. and Manhattan Center. And like, that's a great place to see a show. Uh, but that crowd is mean. <laughs> they are a yeah. mean, nasty crowd, and that's not. It's the, not all. It's not the whole crowd, but it's just. Whole. It's a. It's a big enough crowd that it's that. Yeah, you get. You just get a get a different element. I in mean, there. and correct me if I'm wrong, but you don't really get that at PWG. It's people who are there and they're stoked and they're happy. To, and even though it's a million degrees and they're so uncomfortable and packed in there, it's a really nice, courteous, friendly, excited crowd, which. I don't know. It's new for me coming from the East Coast. Yeah, I mean, it, I think it, I think there's there. I've definitely been to Ring of Honor shows that had that vibe. Uh, new York is a weird scene. Like I remember going, like when I've been Just to like period in, what, in yeah, general. When I, when I went to the, I went to a Ring of Honor show at like WrestleMania in Miami, and it, and it was also in like a, it was like in a you know whatever like a like an old VHW hall. Cool. Um, and it was, I remember the vibe there just being like, I was just like tingly inside. It didn't matter what was happening in the ring. Um, Maybe it's just New York then. But, no, there, but but I think you're right. I mean, the closest thing when, when I was in there, I mean, in, in part, it was a recency bias thing. But, the, but the, the thing that it reminded me of way more than Ring of Honor or other indie shows was the WWE house show I had been to a month and a half before. But the, because, That's high praise as far as I'm concerned. Right, because the key thing, I mean, at Staples Center, I didn't know what to expect. I went because someone offered me a ticket and I was bored. But the, but House shows at the Staples Center are dope. That's a hot really, crowd, Really, really fun. And it's a hot crowd, but the biggest thing, the thing that it has in common with PWG is everybody there is 100% invested in it being a good time. Yeah. Like, you are happy when things go well. You are supportive when things don't go well. And, but you are fully, you're just engaged and you can cheer whatever you want to cheer at a wrestling show. I'm not trying to be some sort of like moral godfather of wrestling fandom. I am. Don't cheer. Don't chant. But <laughs> or like, cheer. Don't chant. <laughs> but like, but like every but when everybody is on the same page to like react, quote unquote, appropriately, then it just makes it a better experience for everybody. Absolutely. And at PWG, there like there was a kid behind me who was just like like three kids who were doing some sort of like dickish ironic stuff Did going they on. Shouted down. Oh yeah, like good. this old dude just like like just about hit him with a chair. Like yeah. it was insane. I mean, it was good. Like it changed. The, it, they were messing with the vibe. Yeah, absolutely, man. I think you know it's because the focus is on the wrestling, right? And and th- and this is not like some like you know wrestling versus sports entertainment purist thing, but it's just a simple fact of the matter. Is like when you're watching Raw, the focus isn't solely on the wrestling. It's on the characters and the promos and where people are positioned in the card and all this like kind of metafictional narrative that people buy into and that leads them to find other things to entertain themselves whereas at a live event or pwg it is pretty much just wrestling and so people get fully invested in that and for me that's the best the wrestling is the best part of wrestling yeah and you know this wasn't the show that you were at um but the show prior which i guess was prince i don't know i'm getting it all mixed up in my head because i drink when i'm there uh but jeff cobb who's dope yeah it's just awesome mr athletic uh, former Olympian, Jeff Cobb. Uh, it was his first time at PWG, and people didn't really know what to expect. Um, you know, I don't... Whenever I see a new name on the card for PWG, I do not research them. 
right? Uh, because I want to be surprised. Because I know that if they're if they got booked by PWG, they're dope, and so I yeah. don't really need to find anything out about them. Uh, it makes for a more fun time. And the biggest pop of the night, the biggest reception, the reaction that anybody got at that show was Jeff Cobb doing uh, what I later learned is called the Tour of the Islands, uh-huh. which is just three rolling deadlift German suplexes. Oh, right, 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 right. And I think he did that. I think he did it. I'm sure he did it at um, the most recent he show, did. too. Um, but nobody knew to expect it. Nobody knew it was coming. And he just kept doing them. And it was against Chris Hero, too, who's massive, yeah. right? Uh, people stood up and lost their minds. They weren't chanting. They weren't trying to be clever. They weren't trying to get over some catchphrase or anything. People were just standing on their feet, screaming their full heads off for rolling German suplexes. And it was the dopest. It was like, it was the coolest wrestling moment I've had in months. So let's take this a little bit more meta. First of all, you talked about, um, well, I want, we're going to get back to, uh, I mean, you talked about Generico's last show and it's sad that he died, but, uh, but Sammy Zane. Did he die? No. Down in Tijuana? I, I've heard some rumors. It was a stabbing incident or something, right? It's been a long time since his <laughs> friends and family have heard from him. Jesus. That's all. Maybe he's just been kidnapped. Grim. Oh, um, God. But who on the roster right now, the roster, I guess, used loosely, are you, would, are you going to be saddest or would you be saddest if they left for WWE? Bro, I'm, uh, I am incredibly saddened. He's a pal of mine. He comes in, he's come on my show a bunch. Um, I'm incredibly saddened that Roderick, that was Roderick Strong's last yeah. show last week. Roderick Strong, I mean, if you only know Roderick Strong from Ring of Honor, you might be a little shocked to hear me say this because in Ring of Honor, he's kind of just been, I don't know, like the old standby. He's yeah. just the guy they go to. and That's a lot of my perception of him. And, I'll, I'll admit that. And yeah. it, it, it was mine too before I came, before I moved out here and I started seeing him at PWG. And my, my time at PWG, so I've been to almost every show since I moved out here um, in 2012 um, because I went and I was like, yes, this is, this is exactly what I want. Uh, I got to see Roderick Strong's rise in PWG as kind of um, this monstrous, give no shits, vicious heel uh and he's mean and it's perfect and he's just he's been allowed to really grow and like the line on roderick strong has always been that oh yeah he's a good hand in the ring but he doesn't really have much character or charisma he's not great on the mic i mean you saw him on friday or two weeks ago that's just it's not true (laughs) it's just patently false uh i am he is a massive part of that company um of that prom- of PWG as a promotion and also PWG's success um, because for most of the ascension of PWG to the point that it is now, Roderick Strong was the heel champion yeah. that everybody was chasing and would beat up all your favorites every single time. Yeah. And they don't have that anymore. Um, and so I, I think that that is a, I mean, like I don't, like PWG like PWG is not going under or anything. They're more no. popular now than they've ever been. But I think the loss of Roderick Strong is an unspeakably big, bl- like I think that's a bigger loss, honestly, than when they lost Kevin Owens. Uh, or Kevin Steen at the sure. time, because Kevin Steen was, you know, he was a reliable, awesome part of the show, but he wasn't what the promotion was built around. Yeah, the way that Roderick Strong has been for the last few years. Huh. It's, it's sort of like a like a, the Adam Pierce on the Indies role or Indies used loosely. I mean, he was just the NWA champion, just touring around, and part of the part of part of what made him he was flawless in a lot of ways, but part of his. Um, and I mean this in the most complimentary way, but I think part of what made him so great was that like you kind of thought that he would be around forever, and right. then when he wasn't, that was sad. But For like, sure. it, but but it makes you invest yourself more, and it makes I'm sure companies more likely to invest themselves in him. For Roddy, the thing was the biggest thing I thought, and like the biggest thing that worked, in it, like outside of the flawless, amazing in ring performances, yeah. right? But that's not news to anybody who's seen that guy before. Was how fearless he was in terms of getting the crowds to boo him 
which you can't say for many people on the indies at all. Because, I mean, and, and this isn't me knocking on them. The fact of the matter is, a lot of their living is made by selling t-shirts and selling merch and getting people to come to these shows. And I understand the, the fear that, oh, well, if I'm too unlikable, if I'm too vicious and too mean, people aren't gonna, like, promoters aren't gonna wanna book me. And I'm yeah. not gonna be able to sell t-shirts when I go to, I don't know, uh, Kentucky or whatever, you know? Yeah, no, it's true. I mean, listen, every and everybody on the indies is, you know, you're working face, you're working heel, back and forth, depending on what night That's and what territory. Thing, for sure. Um, and also, these guys are literally selling their merch, sitting on the apron of the ring That's before too, the show right? starts. Yeah, yeah. Like, you walk in, and, and the wrestlers are sitting in on, on the edge of the ring with their T-shirts hung on hangers, over like, on the ring ropes. Yeah. And you walk up, and you're like, hey, Chris Hero... Can I buy that shirt from you? Yeah, it's dope. I mean, and it's neat. It's fun too because, like, if you get in that beer line, you're just walking by. You're just standing next, standing right next to these men trying to hawk their wares while you're waiting to buy beer. It's fun. I mean, and those guys recognize it too because, like, they, you know, they're not in shill mode really because they know everybody's so jam packed in there. They're just friendly. They're just super nice, and they're guys who I've who I've who kind of who I kind of know now just because I see them every yeah. time I'm there and they recognize me and we yammer at each other while I'm waiting for beer. I got my my seat this last time was directly in front of Zack Saber's balls while he was perched up on the ring. I noticed apron. that. I noticed <laughs> that, that. Wasn't it was intentional. But it just I have some friends who would have really lo- who would have like paid you a lot of money for that seat. I think. But um, <laughs> I thought I said last week I went in thinking it was going to be Zack Saber's farewell and it was instead Roddy Strong's farewell. Yeah. Um, but. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it was it was a really really good show, and I th- I think that my favorite I don't know my favorite, but the but the wrestler that I responded to most that night, uh, in comparison to what how I expected to respond was it Space Cat. Well, Space Cat was no, I'm not. A, I, I wasn't as big a fan of Space Cat as some of the people <laughs> in attendance, but I was cheering along. I was part of the crowd. No, it was Trevor Lee because I wasn't oh, because wow. he played he he worked heel in a way that like nobody else in the roster really did. Yeah, he um. Did he come out to Born in the USA this time? I don't remember. I don't remember either. There was a lot of music. They, 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 they change songs every every like every week. I mean, every month, right? I mean, like the no, theme songs. Most, most people keep keep consistent music. Okay. Well, I only asked that. I only assumed that because there was like every single song. People were standing up waiting, trying to figure out what the who, who was coming out to the song. It seemed okay. like uh, there were there were a well, lot there of were new, new songs. There were some that new ones night. for sure. Space Cat came out to What's New Pussycat, yeah. which was new. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but uh, yeah, dude, Trevor Lee has been really, really fascinating to watch in PWG, and he's a perfect example of somebody that um, PWG as a promotion identified as um, this guy's gonna be a big deal, and he's not doing much of anything yet. Like, did you know that guy's a second generation wrestler? Like, his dad wrestled in Omega, oh the no, organization for modern extreme grappling arts. What? Yeah, dude, uh, down in the Carolinas, uh, his dad was like a like one of the Hardy Boys dudes, uh, and so he's a second generation wrestler. He's wicked young. Um, and he was just kicking around the Carolinas in that, um, I think it's called CWS, Carolina Wrestling, CWF, uh-huh. it's Carolina Wrestling Federation. I'm sure that, that exists, yeah. Uh, I don't know, something like that. Um, like he had like a, he had that big like two hour match with Roy Wilkins down there recently. Um, but yeah, they identified him and like nobody ever really heard of him and PWG is kind of what catapulted that guy onto the national stage. And I think that's what's great about PWG is how savvy those guys are at finding people you haven't heard of right they brought speedball mike bailey down down from canada a guy that nobody had heard of and had done nothing in the in the yeah. united states and they built him they built him as a star and I, I guess that guy's having visa issues which is why he hasn't been back but um yeah it's really uh, trevor lee's evolution has been really fun to watch because he started off 
the first his first match in PWG was at Mystery Vortex. Do you know what that is? No. Mystery Vortex is my favorite show that PWG does because they do not announce the card ahead of time. Oh, really? Yeah. And so for any other promotion, that would be the kiss of death, right? Because like we don't know who's going to wrestle, so why would we bother going? But PWG, you just trust that they're going to do course, an amazing yeah. show. And so you go to Mystery Vortex, and you have no idea what's going to happen. And so this was the – I think this is the first Mystery Vortex. And um, the opening match was um, Trevor Lee versus um, – uh alexander what's his name um let's see oh cedric alexander. cedric cedric yeah, alexander yeah. yeah yeah versus cedric alexander versus somebody else and i'm forgetting who they were but it was all three of them their first time in pwg nobody had any idea what to make of any of them and like trevor lee came out with like kind of bikini cut briefs and yeah. doing like a really like kind of um like mincy gimmick and so everybody thought they were supposed to hate this guy and it turned and then he wrestled babyface and everybody was super into him and for a while trevor lee was like the young upstart underdog baby face he got a clean win over michael elgin when michael elgin was roh champion yeah. which caused like that whole kerfluffle and then they um he beat kevin steen as well clean um but yeah dude that was <laughs> uh the ang- one of the angriest i've ever been was i was at that pwg show and i was with a friend of mine who i'm not going to name right now and we'd eaten edibles beforehand uh and like he had uh <laughs> which are totally legal in california for yeah those it's for medicine uh the um we um we and he had driven right and the plan was that i was going to have like i was going to be able to get as drunk as i wanted so he could drive me home right uh, and and i i wanted to get pretty drunk that's uh, a real luxury in los angeles yeah dude to, to find have, somebody to drive your ass around yeah <laughs> and so um he uh we ate this edible while we're standing in line then we went in and we got through the first match and he said listen i gotta go I was like, what? what are you talking about? And he had to leave and he went outside and he puked. And then we had to sit in the car and wait for me to sober up enough to drive home. And I missed the rest of Mystery Vortex. And you know what the main event was? The right. main event was Adam Cole defending the PWG championship against Candice LeRae. Uh, and I missed it. And I've never seen it because I know if I watch it now, I'm just going to be upset about it. You're just going to be looking at that empty chair right by the I'm ring. I'm just going to be so mad. All right. Let's move. Let's, let's get to it. We got we to circle around to WWE or people are just going to. Stop listening they, to the they podcast. They stopped already. In a very, so the, in the meta question, yeah. what can WWE learn from PWG? You've been watching the Cruiserweight Classic, right? I have, yeah. Um, I don't like it. Do, do you think that they? Do you think that there's some hints at some elements of PWG in that show, or do you do you think that there's? Do you think there are bigger lessons that WWE can learn? You know, from I think the PWG? biggest lesson to learn from PWG, and it's something that you know, this is a ideal world thing. This and that WWE cannot do as a business, but I mean, this is. One of the big keys to PWG's success, even compared to something like Ring of Honor or pick a promotion, right, is that they only run a show every six or eight weeks. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's it. I mean, like, that's like the simple fact of the matter is WWE has so much content that not all of it can be stellar. PWG runs a show uh, every two months or so. And so they can stack the roster with only the best stuff. And it shows. I mean, like that, that to me is the biggest part of PWG's success. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to, piggyback off that to say and you mentioned this earlier it's 95 percent wrestling and that's that might be it might be more than that yeah it's just match brief pause next match yeah. brief pause next match there was one did chris hero give the only pre-match promo in the, of the whole night maybe there was one other one 
Uh, and Chris, and by the way, like with, without a, giving too much away, Heroes Heroes pre match promo had more action than most promos. I don't know if it. that'll make the DVD or <laughs> yeah. not. Uh, uh, the, but yeah, no, I mean, I, Roderick Strong came out at the end and did his. Oh thing yeah, there was too. a there, there, yeah, that was a post match thing. Uh, but I mean, that's what that's another thing. Like the house show is obviously they're not doing all these backstage vignettes and shit, right? So it's just yeah. like it goes straight. It's pretty much match after match. It, it's hard. It, it, like when people complain about WWE shows, pay per views, whatever. You don't realize it, but that's what you're complaining about. You know, it's it's the silly way they book cards now where it's like you still have a popcorn match even though you've had like – you have like 15-minute backstage segments or, yeah. or promo packages between every match. I mean, that, I mean the, the tough thing though is we're not indicative of wrestling fans. Oh, no, no, no. Me. You know, like that's so I think – That's Yeah, like so I think that – even though we and people probably listen to this podcast are like, yeah, just give us the matches. Like, I wish Raw was just three hours of dope ass matches. Oh no! But like, it would it would kill the ratings. No, no, I, I agree. I'm not yeah, complaining yeah, yeah. about Raw so much as, but like, the live experience of Raw right. is sort of miserable sometimes. Where you just sort of you end up spacing out. Seeing Raw live and, sucks. And, yeah, uh, because I mean, you, you can tell when they go to commercial, like during matches, because yeah. everything slows down. And they, because and you can't blame them, right? Like, I've same, had I've had two great Kevin Owens experiences during Raw commercials because he he has fun he enjoys it when they go to commercial. oh that's funny but the but for the most part yeah it's just it's there's nothing nothing's gonna happen yeah um tracy cadell is his, is trevor lee's dad i just i found his twitter i'm thinking i'm gonna follow him on twitter do it oh i do too he's always says really nice things about his son and it's heartwarming that's really great there should be more people saying nice things about their son just in, um, just in general <laughs> about and their and their daughters all, all all children um so what? So so, do you think that there's? I mean, so you don't. So why don't you like the cruiserweight classic? Oh, I just don't think the matches are very good. I think there's like one and a half good matches on every card. Uh, I I agree with you. My I, I mean I don't know. Maybe I'm just being too tough on it. My my or tough on the world of wrestling. My initial reaction was like it was like just seeing an indie wrestling show where the two guys had never worked together before and hadn't planned the match and then. But, but well, it, a lot of those guys aren't ready. I mean, that's like yes, that, that, that that's one hundred percent. It's like it's like thirty two guys in it. Is that right? It should have been sixteen. It should have been half of whatever it is. I mean, because this this first round is basically them just you know cutting out the chaff and then um and like that's the other thing too is a lot of the matches but so of, far but that's but the have weird... gone been really predictable in terms of who won because you just look at it and you're like well I I know Brian Kendrick's moving on yeah right? maybe so but like also but there've been a couple that surprised me like Davari's brother lost right I thought that was crazy because Ho Ho Lun God bless him he's one of the guys who's just not really ready to be there yeah <laughs> but, but 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 just the fact that they were matched up at all yeah I mean I think that I think Davari's gonna be. Like that guy's gonna be a problem, huh? I thought he yeah. was really, really great. I mean, he was one of the only guys who were. That's another thing that's bumming me out about it too. Is like all the guys who are actually working heel are getting eliminated, right? Yeah. Like him, um, the Clement Patois. Is that what his name? Was? Oh, I Patois. love that guy. He was he was rad because he was a villain. Um, and I it was my favorite match of last week. The um Gallagher and um the other guy. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. What was the other guy's name? Do you remember? No, I totally forgot. The Italian him. guy. Uh. I like that match, too, because the Italian guy kind of, like, he wasn't a full-on villain, but he kind of did a little bit of it, and he was, like, a different, like, that's, they talked a lot in the build-up to this thing about it being, you know, cruiserweight wrestling isn't just one thing, it, it can be all these different types of wrestling, and yet, all the guys moving forward are a very specific type of cruiserweight yeah. wrestling, and that kind of bums me out, because I want some of these big, muscly, short Haas dudes <laughs> moving on in the competition. Uh, was it the Fabian Eichner guy? Is. Is that, yeah, 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 yeah. The, yeah, he's, um... Yeah, there's some there's some really interesting people, and there's I mean there's a lot of people in the who, who I would just love to see get some time to develop. I mean, you, I, what I was gonna say earlier is it felt like 
a lot of them feel like sort of like second or third tier indie wrestling matches. But and the but the the biggest problem I, in, from my point of view was that they're being filmed like WWE matches, right? So it's like, like it's hard. It's it's. I mean, it, you're, you're you're judging them by a different play by a different set of rules, sort of when you see them on the network. And it's and I'm not I'm not saying that WWE is better or whatever, but it's just like it's you're just looking at it in a different way, and it's hard. It's a hard way to judge. It's it's a weird thing, man. Especially because the crowd is the full sale crowd. Yeah, and that that crowd wants a very specific thing. And I think the best example of kind of the weird schizophrenic beast that the CWC is is. Um, I guess it was maybe the second week when Zack Sabre faced Tyson Dukes. Yeah. Um, which, by all rights, I mean, I know we all love Zack Sabre, and he's a really talented dude, and he's really interesting to watch and all. Um, but by all rights, Dukes should have been the hero in that match. Sure. You know, Dukes was the guy who had had a shot, and he had broken his leg, and he went to back home to Canada, and he worked as a truck driver while still wrestling, and he worked hard to get back there. And he was like... He was the underdog, and he was the guy we, we should have wanted to cheer, whereas Zack Sabre was kind of the skinny, arrogant, preening wrestler yeah. who would dance around him and, like, do these wacky, like, kind of arrogant, like, the, you know, crossing his arms and doing the bridge and, like, all the Zack Sabre stuff. Like, that, to me, reads villainous, right? This isn't me yeah. talking about Zack Sabre the guy. This is Zack Sabre the character. Well, and yet that crowd went apeshit bananas for Zack Sabre because they were supposed to. I they think there's there's, so they much, know they're supposed to. That's what's really There's so hard. much confirmation bias in that specific audience that it kind of blows the facade that they're well, trying to build. Listen, with this I mean, thing. in wrestling audiences in general now, even though we, you and I, like you said, you're right, we're not indicative of what like the average wrestling fan is. Yeah. The average wrestling fan still like is on still checks out the dirt sheets or at least whatever like version of the internet they want to go to. They know to to be they know to pop when Sasha Banks debuts on Raw. Like they right. know like they they understand that this is an exciting moment that they want to be a part of. Now they might not have done all the homework or watched all the DVDs. But they know the names. But you're totally right about Zack Saber. Every time I see him, I'm like, he is a he should be working heel. That match against Kyle O'Reilly that we saw, oh, he was yeah. an asshole and it was amazing. Yeah, it's great. It's great. Be and because like he is a sort of like he's the guy that like your girlfriend or your wife is like, you know what? He's kind of cute. You know and yeah. like. But like she shouldn't want to like go to be a fan, you right. know, or she yeah, should yeah, like yeah. make you mad by being a fan. Absolutely. Um, that's what Jim Ross told me. Like, I was like, what was when I was talking to him about The Rock a month or two ago, and I was like, what was the problem? Like, what went wrong when Rocky Maivia debuted? Why did everybody boo him? And he was just like, I think everybody booing. I think their girlfriend leaned to them five seconds earlier and said, "This guy's really cute." Wow, that's interesting. <laughs> I'm not sure if that's true, but I love that with idea. Saber, I think it has a lot to do with the style of wrestling too. You know, like. I, I know, like, you know, I've listened to Colt Cabana's podcast, too. I know that we're all supposed to love Johnny Saint and, like, think, and, like put that yeah. shit up on a pedestal. But that's a it's a very tricky thing to do and stay likable, especially when people are having to kind of, like, wait around for you to do your, like, spin move before you put your hold on, right? Like, and I think, yeah. that, like, there's a big difference between the way that he does it and the way that Gallagher did it, actually, on 100%. CWC. You know? Totally like, agree. Uh, Sabre does it with a certain arrogance, which I think is dope. I love it. I think it's great. This does not mean hacking on Sabre. I just think that there's something inherently unlikable about that guy wearing a Union Jack jacket to the uh, ring and popping the collar. I was like, it, it, it infuriates me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I in mean, way what, the, knock, the it should. One know? of the knocks on him is that he makes everything look too easy. And there, and I, and I'm not, and my, and I think it has more to do with just it's a stylistic thing. And if you book it as a heel thing, as a heel look, that it's, I think so too. It's not, it's not. A, and also, he makes it look too easy as a sort of like control V 
like insult towards a certain sort of indie wrestler. I don't really know what that means, honestly. Well, I think it's part of it's a lot of what you're saying. I mean, I wouldn't have brought it up if it if it weren't, but it's the sort of like you know like the opponent is just being still while you're like getting your like leg around his neck so that you can do the whatever you know like it's and and certainly we when we saw him work. Kyle O'Reilly, like there was a lot going on in his face. I think that there's sometimes where like maybe there's not as much going on in his face as you would want there to be. You know, it like, might be a difference between seeing him up close and personal in PWG versus on a camera too. You know, where you don't, you don't get to see all that stuff. And it could that also might, be the I mean, quality of the dance partner as listen, well. Listen, I was super excited to see him at PWG. Kyle O'Reilly is my long-term indie wrestling crush. Dude, he put on a lot of mass. He's looking good. He's yeah, looking big. He's a he's a big dude. Um. I mean, I've been saying, I've said in, 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 on podcasts and in writing for probably three years that like he should be the WWE approved. Like, if WWE wants to redo Daniel Bryan, but with somebody that like Vince can get behind, I think that like Kyle O'Reilly's your guy. But um, anyway, let's move on. We've talked enough about PWG. Uh, well, we alluded to this earlier. Before we get to that, yeah. before we get back into the wrestling stuff, I want to tell you about another one of our sponsors. Uh, I'm sure you're going to appreciate this. It's Casper. Now, I know you've heard about Casper. For me, this is really meaningful because when I was growing up, my cousin Aaron and I used to do lots of wrestling moves to each other on mattresses, but they were terrible mattresses, and and they were just never appropriate for the task. Now, I'm not saying anybody should try any of this at home, but to me, mattresses and pro wrestling have a really strong connection. Casper is a sleep brand that created one perfect mattress, and they sell it directly to customers, which eliminates commission-driven inflated prices, and its award-winning sleep surface was developed in-house, has a sleek design, and is delivered in a tiny box that'll make you say, how did they do that? In addition to the mattress, Casper also offers adaptive pillows and soft, breathable sheets. Uh, The quality is super, super high. An in-house team of engineers spent thousands of hours developing the Casper mattress. It combines springy latex, supportive memory foam, and, uh, and it makes a sleep surface that's got just the right sink and just the right bounce. Plus, it's breathable design sleeps cool to help you regulate your temperature through the night. The mattresses, you know, that you buy in a regular store can cost over $1,500, but Casper's cost just $500 for a twin-size mattress, uh, $750 for full, $850 for a queen, $950 for a king. Buying a Casper mattress is totally risk-free. It's free delivery, free returns with a 100-night home trial, and if you don't love it, they'll pick it up and refund everything. Casper understands the importance of sleeping, truly sleeping, on a mattress before you commit, especially considering you're going to spend a third of your life on it. Get $50 towards any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com slash wrestle. That's casper.com slash W-R-E-S-T-L-E and using the offer code wrestle. Terms and conditions apply. Listen, uh, I want to talk about two things really quickly before we get out of here. One, um, it's Olympic season. Okay. You're a, you're a smart guy. You're a hey, funny guy. Thanks, man. <laughs> a lot of people a lot of people send me text messages and emails about Olympic wrestling, like yeah. straight up wrestling. Now, it's it's not even going on now, right? I I don't think it's. Ha- I asked um, my wife pays attention to the Olympics. I asked her to let me know when the the wrestling, like Greco Roman or um, amateur uh, or the weightlifting happens, and she hasn't let me know. So either it hasn't or she hates me, which are both are viable. I don't know. Um, yeah, no, I mean, it's, I, I have, I have the entire listings in, ha- ahead of me. I think maybe it doesn't start till the 14th. Okay. We got some time. I don't know. I could be totally wrong about that. Um, but listen, 
people always talk, try to talk to me about wrestling. You probably get this too. You go to like a cocktail party, you go to a bar, you tell somebody you're into wrestling and they either talk to you about like Greco-Roman wrestling or MMA or something. And right. you're just like, I don't, it's, I, I will talk about that. Yeah. I like talking about not it. Not exactly like my, what I just <laughs> said, but okay. Um, but yeah. So do you think a lot of people have asked me if UFC should be an Olympic sport? Right. That's a conversation for another day. Greco-Roman wrestling is the Olympic sport. The fact that it was gone for a, for one cycle or whatever is sort of mind-boggling, but, yep. you know, politics. Do you think pro wrestling should be an, a, a, an Olympic sport? Man, I just I just don't think it would work because, uh, d- you know, WWE, which is like the standard bearer of professional wrestling, they actually enforce their doping policy. Oh, oh man. Citizen! Right? Yeah. I like how you, good, right? you included a drop for yourself. Like Citizen! You, um, <laughs> uh, man, uh... I don't know, like as like a performance thing, like 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 they do floor routines or whatever, like whoever's best at performing pro wrestling. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Why not? I don't know. There's curling. Floor, there, there's, there's there are so there many are 8, things. Thousand swimming events. Like we spend so much time arguing about arguing randomly about whether or not pro wrestling is a sport. There are so many things in the Olympics that are less of a sport than pro wrestling. Do you think pro wrestling is a sport? I I am happy to use the word recklessly because I really don't care that much. Right. Okay. I think at the end of the day, like, no, obviously not. Like, whatever, whatever, by whatever rules you set up, it's not a sport. But you know what? Neither is any form of horse riding. And there are, like, (laughs) equestrian things in the Olympics. Fair enough. Yeah. What I was saying to Isabella, our producer, before we started was that my general rule is... If LeBron James had turned had started playing the sport at the age of five, would he be dominating the sport right now? If the answer is not unequivocally yes, then I think you're probably not talking about a sport. That's interesting. That's fair. Uh, yeah, I think Le- LeBron would be a hell of a pro wrestler. Oh yeah, to, to that point. So yeah. yeah, okay, I'm on board. Pro wrestling, a sport, should be in the Olympics. Um, You've convinced me. Yeah, no, but I but you're we're talking about the floor routines and stuff like people like you know waving like ribbons and stuff. I mean, it's just all yeah. like. I don't mind this as a, as part of the Olympics at all. Those things can be Olympic sports, but like, man, cutting a heel promo, like that's it. That, that's, I mean, a, that's a skill. That's a life skill. Just call it, like, have like the wrestling <laughs> decathlon or something where they like all the different, all the different, uh, all the different skill sets are broken up. I'm on board. You've convinced me. If not, the reason why I was thinking about this was the Cruiserweight Classic, though, because they have all these guys from around the world. Like if, I mean, maybe the Olympics should be Vince's, uh, like he should once every four years, he should just sort of let bygones be bygones and invite the best indie wrestlers, the best Japanese wrestlers, the best from all people, the best wrestlers from all over the world, and have the World Cup of Wrestling or whatever. Well, I mean, they're, they're kind of doing that a little bit with the CWC, right? Right, but then that, that's what that's part. That's that is the most interesting part of the CWC, right? By far, which which has kind of been kneecapped by the fact that there's just everybody signed up places. You know, like they can't get anybody from Lucha Underground, they can't get anybody yeah. from New Japan, like. Ring of Honor, like, I don't know. Like, that's that's one of the things that I think really damaged the CWC, too. Because when it was initially announced, it was before, um, like, I don't know. Like, it was it was before certain, like, I forget exactly what it was. But people thought that the field was going to be a lot broader than it sure. was. And then people kept on getting signed up, like, signed by places. Well, that's what, I mean, that's in, like, happened so many times. Best that... of Super Juniors, I think, like, took a lot of people out of the running for it. yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that I think that you know, I mean, you even have people. I mean, just the Ring of Honor and and Lucha Underground were sort of like all of a sudden just like you know signing that la- those last two guys that they For had sure. been sort of like hoping would stick around as free as like you know. Well, that's the thing, man. Like, I mean, to have a cruiserweight tournament and say it's the best cruiserweights in the world and you you don't have Ricochet in it is kind of bonkers. I think. Yeah. You know. Um, man, Ricochet. He's dope. 
Oh, you're really, not on board. Oh, no, I'm, okay. I'm totally on board. Yeah, I, yeah. Though, I feel like the, the thing I've said more in this podcast than anything else is that, like, they should have just made him Sin Cara from the beginning, and he'd be the biggest star in WWE right now. The pride of Ireland. Rick O'Shea. <laughs> that would be even better. That's, that's the gimmick, just put man. him in like yeah, put him in a put him in an orange and green mask it's, and put him with put him next to Finn Balor. We're good to go, man. Um, I'm glad you mentioned Finn Balor because here's what I really want to talk about. We're finally going to get around to WWE right now. Thanks for enduring. Raw on Monday night ended with this weird thing where there's like the there's in the uh, 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 in front of the backdrop of the Rollins Finn Balor feud for the new Universal Championship. We have Rusev come out and say, no, I'm the, I have the title. I'm the champion of the show. And mm-hmm. he sort of wrestles a main event match against Cesaro, right? Mm-hmm. Which and is then, dope, I think. And then, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we have Roman Reigns, <coughs> who is sort of like demonstrably been semi-demoted to feud with Rusev. Right. Um, Cesaro, who is in that main event, is feuding with Sheamus. Uh, Kevin Owens is sort of taking a little sidebar, uh, you know, sabbatical to to put over Cass and Enzo along with Chris Jericho. Mm-hmm. Um, and Sami Zayn, as near as I can tell, doesn't have a SummerSlam match. Right. Um, but amongst those guys, I'm really interested because, like, you always pay attention to the main event, right? Mm-hmm. And we're all very excited that that Finn Balor is getting this this big spot, right? Sure. I mean, regardless of whether or not you think he's the best wrestler ever, I think he's you know, the best shot WWE has at, like, really, you know, at finding that transcendent star they're looking for. I mean, actually, I think Sasha Banks is sort of above him on those on the on the ceiling rankings. Really? But I, I love Finn Balor's if Finn potential. Balor was a, if Finn Balor was a little bit younger. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. You know, like, like, like that, that's the biggest thing is, like, they've only got so many years left. Because he's, like, in his mid-30s already, isn't he? He's early to mid-30s, something like that? He's got the that? body yeah. of a taut 19-year-old. But, and boy, but... does the, do the camera people <laughs> in WWE know that. They love it. Uh, but no, I mean, like, that's, like, the biggest knock against him. I think that guy could be... That guy's ceiling is... That guy was a little bit younger. That guy's ceiling would be what Jeff Hardy's ceiling was. Sure. Which is to say enormous and astronomical and humongous because they dropped the ball with him, right? In a really profound way. I mean, he dropped the ball. There was a lot of mutual dropping of the ball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Doing all the drugs and everything. But uh, no, man, I think that, like, the the craziest thing to me, like, I'm really excited about the Finn Bauer stuff because it's something new. And that's, I mean, you can't, you can't overstate how important it is just to have new shit happen on your yes. wrestling show and, and how valuable that's that what is. i was gonna say even if you're not 100 percent in on balor I don't, know, I don't know who else it's new it's exciting it shows them actually working a storyline in the appropriate way like yeah. this is the way to put over a young guy to make it seem like he's the number one draft pick and we're gonna treat him like it's wild. you know anthony davis when he got when he came into the league i'll tell you what's wild though man seeing him standing next to seth rollins in the ring them just not even wrestling right just talking with one another they are on vastly different levels. Rollins is way better. Rollins is w- like yeah. enormously orders of magnitude better than Finn Balor. It's shocking. And the other thing that's really interesting to me too is, I mean, and so like and I'm asking for, you know, angry tweets now, but I'm a big Roman Reigns fan. I think that guy's really cool. I agree. Yeah. I think he's really, really awesome. Uh, and it's wild. And I understand the reasons why. Right. But it's wild that WWE took like three years to push that guy into the main event. And people said, ah, it's being shoved out of our throats. He's forced on us. <laughs> Finn Balor's been there for a night, and he's in the he's legit in the main event of the second biggest wrestling show yeah. of the year. And people are okay with it. And this isn't – I'm not angry about it, but it is fascinating. I think it speaks less to either guy's talent and more to WWE figuring out 
how to push guys yeah. in the current environment. And Roman Reigns came in at the tail end of an old booking philosophy. Yes. And and he's really suffered for it. It's a shame because he's I, awesome. I, there's a lot of reasons for that. First of all, if you ever call wrestling fans for having double standards again, then you're never going to be able to comment on wrestling for the rest of your life. <laughs> you're officially banned from Twitter and the rest of the internet. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think you're exactly right. It's an old booking philosophy. I mean, a lot of what Roman, a lot of what Roman Reigns was, the comparisons to Ambrose and Rollins, but it was also that we could see it coming, and that goes to exactly to what you were saying. Right. It's that we knew we knew the mold. It that felt they like were an inevitability, right? And, yeah. and Finn Balor didn't. Finn Balor shocked everybody when, they, like, everybody everybody thought. I watched it happen on Twitter. Everybody thought that it was a foregone conclusion that Roman Reigns was just going to squash him and it was going to be in the main sure. event again, and it didn't happen. And it feels again, it feels new, and that's. Important. Well, the most interesting, I mean, the, 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 the bigger the bigger deal to me is not that they're what they're doing with uh, or, or the, the clearest indicator is not what they're doing with Finn Balor. It's the fact that they're using Roman Reigns to play against our expectations. Yeah. Right. The fact that like they even bother putting Roman Reigns in that match because he they know how shocked will be to see him lose. Yeah. Um, but I find but what I what I end up I mean, the whole reason that I wanted to talk about this was like Finn Balor um, is great, and there there are you know rumors that go both ways about who's going to win at SummerSlam. I'm absolutely sure they haven't decided yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know we don't know who's going to walk away our first Universal Champion. But then but the bigger thing we don't know is like what is the shape of the headliner division on Raw. Mm-hmm. So we all the guys we've talked about Reigns, uh, Finn Balor, yeah. Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, I guess, theoretically, but more importantly, I said, did I say Reigns or Rollins? Whatever. Reigns, Rollins, and now, and then you kind of go down to Cesaro and and uh, and Sheamus. It does seem like they're kind of teasing a something happening with Cesaro at some point, whether it be him getting traded to SmackDown or... I thought the most significant part of Raw last night was... Uh, Daniel Bryan, like not just what he said, oh, I think you're being underutilized on, yeah. on this show, but when he turned and mugged to the audience about it, right? Like that felt really, I mean, and I, I'm not sitting here telling you that was a shoot, brother, but uh, like it felt real, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Which is the important part. And like that felt really significant. But, you know, they've been playing that game with Cesaro for years now, right? Like pushing him as like the guy who could do anything and he's he could be the top guy, but they never really pull the trigger. So I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, it would be really cool if they were smart enough to do something with, like, a trade with, like, a free, you know, to try to somehow SmackDown tries to steal him away. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think it's undercutting the division, like, the brand split, that they have so much interaction so early? Like, like the like the Brock Orton thing I kind of get because, sure. you know, that was made ahead of time. And also, the story is that those guys are invading these other shows and they're not allowed to be there. And right. They, they either escape to the audience or they're escorted So what out. do you, were you, Daniel Bryan yeah, showing up that, on Raw? I mean, I'm, I'm not making an argument. I'm just curious. Like, do you think that that undercuts this whole idea of a brand division by having him show up and... I kind of like it. I mean, I like what he did. I think that, I think that you could, I, I, I take what you're saying. Like, it makes, it actually makes a lot of sense that maybe we should spend a... Maybe like after SummerSlam, well, let's spend like a solid six yeah. weeks without any mention of the other show, right? You know, with the exception of commercials. But um, yeah, I mean, I think they have to walk a fine line now between really feel it, making it feel like really separate entities, but also not disappointing, not confusing someone who hasn't watched for three weeks, right? You know, I mean, that's yeah, the, yeah, yeah. the sort of the un, the, the, the most John Cena? the most unrep- underrepresented part of of wrestling fandom are the people that don't necessarily watch live every week. That don't watch the eighteen hours of WWE programming we have to watch now. Yeah, it's a whole lot, man. <laughs> it's a lot. So you don't watch SmackDown live? I do. 
I mean, I, I had no, 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 I'm sorry. SmackDown, like, at 5 or 8 p.m. Oh, are or you whatever. asking me, do I watch SmackDown live, live? Yes, exactly. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't watch any of it live anymore. I watch it. I watch the next day, and I watch the Hulu edits, too. I uh, love the Hulu edits. They're amazing. Uh, they're really, really great. Uh, and also, I mean, we talked about this a little bit uh, at PWG, but... Uh, I kind of got <laughs> I kind of got chased off of social media for watching these things live. And like once a month when I watch the pay-per-views live and I'm like, oh, wrestling thought that like my wife certainly doesn't want to hear. Let me put this on the Internet. Yeah. And I I instantly regret it. Yeah. <laughs> because like the, the fandom is just so uh, vociferous. Is that a good? Yeah, good that's a good it? word. Uh, but yeah, no, like so I don't I don't watch any of it live anymore. Yeah, um, I I watch most of it live, but I don't tweet a lot either. Yeah. It's like the tweeting is like another gear of in, of engagement, you know? I mean, it's, it's... I just can't help myself sometimes. And, like, so that's the thing. Like, now I, you know, when I get around to watching Raw late on Tuesday night on Hulu, I yeah. send out a bunch of fucking random, <laughs> out of nowhere, sans context yeah. tweets about what Rusev is doing or whatever. Um, Rusev is doing some really great stuff. Why aren't people responding more to the Reigns-Rusev feud? I felt mean, like, are felt they like, not responding? Know, oh, you mean like, like online and stuff? No, I meant in the crowd. Like, I felt like, I don't know, it was kind of like a muted reception to I that think, whole cake segment on Monday. Uh, it's, not like, it's not like that was breaking new ground and like this brilliant stuff. Yeah, but, but, that's, a, but that's a go-to, man. I, I mean, I wrote back at Grantland about the history of... Uh, of of it's Chekhov's re- cake, right? Yeah, I mean, no, but the, the, the history of re- yeah, that's great. The history of wedding angles, like the, of all the weddings or like celebrations of matrimony they've had in the ring, inevitably someone's going to come out and throw someone's face in a cake, or sure. or you know, put a snake in a box. But like, it's it's a it's a really great like renewable resource that wrestling has. Also, speaking of like flashbacks to old things, I'm, Rusev was basically wearing an old Shawn Michaels outfit with just like the khaki slacks and vest with no shirt underneath. It was cracking me up. Yeah, like, you're right. It was like, What he was wearing was hysterical and it's perfect. And we're not making fun of Rusev. It's a perfect choice because he's a bad guy. Oh, and no, should, no. It's and we so should, great. And we should want to hate him, right? Like if anything, we should be criticizing Lana who looked too good. Yeah. She looked too good for us to boo. Like, and that's a problem. But um, Rusev, like it was cracking me up last night because if you, if you kind of like you know, blurred your eyes and let your eyes go out of focus a little bit. He just looked like tan clothes Roman Reigns. Yeah. Like he just looked like evil tan Roman Reigns. Yeah. Because like the clothes are the same profile, everything with the vest and all. I wonder if there are conversations that happen because Roman Reigns conspicuously has this creepy beard now. Oh, I like it. You don't like it? Uh, I just think he needs to like grow out the mustache a little bit more okay. or like trim the sides. I'm a little, I think I've thought too much about it, obviously. But I wonder... I used to always think about this with Roman and Seth, and now with Rusev too. Like they, when they're booking these feuds, are they like, "All right, Rusev," or like Reigns, you're going against Rusev, so grow in your beard so you don't have the exact same hair and oh, facial hair profile? Because like with with Seth, there was always a thing where like Roman had just the goatee, right? right. Now he's feuding with Rusev, so he has, has the beard to set himself off from the guy with the goatee. That's interesting. Um, you know, we're. I think we're a little bit, despite the divas division being the sorry, the women's division being. I do that too. Uh, being yeah, well, I'm not. I don't feel so bad about it. But that, but despite the fact that you have to have like literally a different like Crayola color of hair to wrestle in the women's <laughs> division now, like the men's like in the in the over on the men's side, it's just a lot of dudes with kind of regular haircuts and facial. There's not a lot of. I think it's a lot better now than it was say ten years ago. Like well, ten years ago, like it was all just dudes who got brought up who look like Alex Riley. Oh yeah, you know I that's think, true. I think, I think they're doing a lot better with it now, just in terms of like different looking guys. Sure, and everybody looks right as opposed to just looking like like this. You know, like Dolph Ziggler now has 
uh, I mean, I, I, was, I was watching SmackDown last night, and it was the main event was um, uh, uh, Ziggler and Ambrose against Bray Wyatt and uh, Eric Rowan. Cool. It was really good. Like, this is really good old school booking of just like, let's put our two like title competitors together and uh, like they have to fight on let's the same side. Against, and, I love it. And really, when like, like the fact, I mean, they went into this match knowing it seems like from from the get that Bray Wyatt was going to be the heel in this feud, and he was not even in the feud. You know, like it's 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 they've they've done this small thing really Smackdown's well. Smackdown's way more interesting than Raw right now. Yeah, Am I yeah. crazy? You're not. But it did occur to me that like looking at like Ambrose Ziggler and this sounds so crazy, but Ambrose Ziggler and Bray Wyatt could all sort of be like brothers. Like, you know, like now that Ziggler doesn't even have blonde hair anymore, they all just sort of look like they're we're all just like white dudes with brown hair at this point. Yeah. Um, but there, but those are like three of my favorite guys. So I'm not complaining. Right. 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 <laughs> um, anyway, enough about these guys. So let's go. Let's try to. Is, is there an answer to the question? This non question I asked, how do you rank the WWE? I mean, the raw headliners, okay. Rollins, Balor, Rusev, Reigns. And if you want to bring in. KO, Sami Zayn, Cesaro, or Sheamus, by all means, do it. So are we talking about, um, like, overall scale and talent or just the spot on no, the card where right do you, now? Where do you think that it, they exist in Vince's mind right now? Okay, well, Rollins is number one with a bullet. And there's right. not even – there's amongst the people you listed, I don't even think there's a close second place right now. Right. Uh, and would a couple, you, and, and, a couple and months and ago, Aubrey I would say, agree with that? Uh, Let's do Vince, versus, Vince and Aubrey both coming through. Yeah, there. Rollins, I think, is – I mean – you can make a real argument. I'm a big John Cena fan too. And I think that when that guy's on, there's nobody better than him. But in terms of week to week performances, I think that Seth Rollins is the best professional wrestler in the world right now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I agree. And listen, I mean, we're talking, I mean, we talk about the guys that we talked about PWG to start the show. We talk about Finn Balor, uh, you know, being behind where Rollins is. Nobody thought Rollins was going to be this guy when he got called I certainly up. Didn't. Dude, we, you, early episodes of my show when you would come on and we would talk about i remember like us like specifically me and you having a conversation and me saying that rollins ceiling was christian's career that's something that came out of my mouth <laughs> right and i was just wrong I don't know just that... totally off base yeah i mean i, I talked i love him. christian that's not an awkward i interviewed christian. i interviewed rollins one time when i was just like yeah nobody really expected this from you huh and he was just like yeah i just love proving people wrong like it, he didn't seem like I don't know. I mean, and even in person, when you talk to him, he doesn't seem like he's... He doesn't have that CM Punk chip on his shoulder. And no. that's, that's why he's going to... That's why he's already a bigger star than CM Punk was. Yeah. And, also, and, and not in, in certain ways. Also, all that... Yeah. The, the I've, I mentioned this on the show before. He still gets a weird reaction from some of the casual fans, or non-fans that I know, but but casual fans too. If you read like the WWE like .com comment sections, people hate Seth Rollins. And not in like he's a bad he's a bad guy kind of way but like he's like a weakling well how could he be your champion how why is he your number one pick i think that that's i mean i think i think that is in the right way though yeah but it's the same thing i hear from like you know non-wrestling fan friends who like look over my shoulder it's a it's a weird listen to him talk i don't know um but he's the best he's the I best agree. i think he's number so, one with the bullet so amongst the other guys balor reigns Cesaro, I think it's Rusev. a big. I think it's a big drop down, but I think you got to put Reigns there. Yeah. Um. I think that you know, even though he's not in the main event, the main event, main event right now, yeah. like he he was there most recent, like like recently sure. enough that he's there. Um. After that, I think it's Balor. I think. I, I think, guess you can put Brock Lesnar in this mix too, if you want to put Brock Lesnar. Oh yeah, he's a raw guy too. Yeah. Uh, Brock is just on. So it's Rollins, Lesnar, Reigns, Balor, Rusev. Um, Wait, Kevin Owens below Rusev? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right. Um, then Cesaro, Owens. 
And and, I, and like this again, this is not a measure of quality. Yeah. Kevin Owens is one of my favorite favorite guys to watch wrestle. Um, but just kind of where they're positioned on the card. Yeah, I mean, like I think if you are in a tag team cobbled together to put over Enzo and Cass, yeah, you're not <laughs> you're not really a main event star right now. Yeah, although you know Jericho and Ko. I mean, if you working a program with Chris Jericho is never a bad place to be as far as it, I mean, it may be a terrible place to be, but it reflects well on your standing with WWE management. Oh, for sure. I mean, like that's, I think that it's really telling. So here's the thing. Enzo and Cass are really, really good at some things and not really all that great at some other important parts of being professional wrestlers. Their matches aren't that great. They're still figuring it out. Uh, and that's that's not a knock on them. They're, no, I, I, I think that's fair. They're young and new, and Enzo's been doing it for a shockingly short amount of time, right? The fact that they put them with Chris Jericho, who's in my top five wrestlers ever, and Kevin Owens, who's one of my favorite guys to watch right now, and both of them are so very good at in-ring work and telling a story sure. and putting things together. I think that's really telling, um, both in terms of WWE acknowledging where Enzo and Cass are, but also acknowledging how great Kevin Owens is to be like, as you're saying, to be put him in the same level as Jericho. It's amazing. And the other thing I think that's really exciting is I hope they keep that tag team going because Chris Jericho is kind of an like Chris Jericho had such a phenomenal singles career and multiple singles yeah. career that people forget how good of a tag team wrestler he is. Yeah. Jericho is some of the best stuff of that era. Love that. Jericho is so good. So if they can keep. Jera KO or whatever the hell they end up calling whatever stupid name they end up giving them they keep this going why is it that Chris the, the, the name Jericho is so good at making into terrible tag team names I don't know it's just part of the overall it's brilliance really, it, of that guy it kind of really messed with the tag division for a while because you're trying to make everything like the Miz show and like 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 every, everything has to be a Miz name show, the Miz show is good too or, no, I know, but just naming the teams yeah. has to be a mashup, and it, just because Jericho works well with every name, somehow. it's not just. The, it's not just. I mean, like you know, Rock and Sock connection, and like yeah. I don't know. That's that's true. Did you see while we're talking about cast? I mean, Enzo and cast. Did you see Enzo's promo with on the on the Cruiserweight Classic? That's that's been. I mean, I it was on, but I think it's been floating around the internet a lot. Wait, he cut a promo as part of the show. He, yeah, as part of CWC. Yeah. No, what episode was it on? Here, let me let me let me play a second of this. We got issues. Figuratively speaking, we have issues of malnourishment in communities that would otherwise be flourishing if it weren't for apartheid. Spearheaded by political figures who sit at the stratosphere of the political infrastructure, who see to it the exponential growth of the corporate infrastructure, or is that conundrum really just a liaison between factions of hierarchy that have endeavors that go beyond parliamentary procedures? Proposals, referendums, filibusters, and legalities. I mean, hey, if you want to overindulge your eyes in between the lines of a communist manifesto, go ahead and be a Marxist. I mean, we've all been transients at some point or another, and I get excited even talking about it. But figuratively speaking, you got your right and you got your left. And people in positions of power, they come at you from different angles. Could be acute, could be obtuse, rarely ever is it perpendicular. I mean, sure, you got your Hillary Clintons, you got your Donald Trumps, right? You got your Shane McMahons, you got your Stephanie McMahons, you got your Thomas Jeffersons, and you got your George Jeffersons. And I've sat way up top high, deluxe apartments in the sky, and ranting on political jargon, but that's not why we're here today. So without any further ado, allow me to quote the performing artist, Aubrey Graham, formerly known as Drake. Please hold on, we're going home. And, uh, you know, when I get there, at least have the decency to leave me the porch light on. And if you didn't understand what I said, we can sit down over a cup of joe and I can break this down for you in layman's terms. It, it would take me, I don't know, three years to memorize the promo that he cut <laughs> in this situation. Uh, 
but yeah, he's he's really just amazing. And it's and it's crazy. I mean, you're you're right. Like they have some work to do. It's nice to see that guys like them and like Finn Balor, for the kind of complete opposite reason, are gonna are getting the opportunity to work out these kinks on the main roster in big matches too. It's gonna because be really... there's a limit to what you can learn when you're wrestling like you know whoever the like the Dudley Boys every week or right. something like that. Dude, it's gonna be really interesting to see. I was Actually, the Dudley Boys night. are great. I'm not trying to knock them. I'm saying, but it's just the measure of like response <laughs> the crowd is giving you. For sure, I think it's gonna be really interesting to see who of you know WWE is pushing guys in a very different way right now. You know, it used to be that you had to come up and you had to take your lumps and you had to earn mm-hmm. your stripes and you had to pay your dues and other <laughs> cliches, right? Uh, and now that's not really the case anymore, right? Like they, they've realized the value of pushing the hot new thing again, right? Sure. Which wrestling used to do. I mean, WWE hasn't done it in a really long time, but like that, that used to be a big thing, like the territory days of like, oh, this, this young farmer boy from the audience has come up and he's challenged this colossal man right like that that used to be a trope yeah. in wrestling and WWE hasn't done it that much anymore it's gonna be really it's, interesting you know, to see who the first one to fail is like who the first one to just fall directly on their face um because it's gonna happen you know like i don't mean to be cassandra here and i'm not gonna like make a bet on who who it is but i think that eventually this technique and this approach will go wrong because it has to i mean like nobody bets a hundred or bets a thousand right is that it? Yeah, bats a thousand. Nobody bats a thousand. You know, it, it reminds me of the period, and I'm gonna—I'm sure I'm gonna get one of these names wrong, but there was like a period back in like 2012 when when WWE debuted um, Sin Cara, Ryback, um, uh, Cesaro was around this time, and uh, what's his name? Um, uh, the NXT trainer who was being a fake Japanese guy. Oh, Tensai. Ten, Lord Tensai. Um, and they all, but they all, I mean, and like Tensai and Ryback and like Sin Cara, like were basically all just like facing jobbers. Like that was yeah. like the, that was the last return of the jobbers before the most recent return of the jobbers. But like they tried to make it different. You know, it was like, well, Ryback will face multiple jobbers. And like, yeah. whatever, and like, well, they just brought all those guys in and they just slapped him into the mid card and everybody treated them like everybody looked upon them like mid carders. And that's yeah. not what, that's not what they're because doing. Because there's no differentiation. Guys. You know, when you're like, I think on some level, like they thought that like, they really thought Ryback was going to get over as a headliner, but like he's literally part of this just mush of guys coming yeah. in at the same time. You're right; they're they're letting guys do different things now, and they're kind of like like you said, they're they're putting themselves in the in the position of being Two able to do that. Two weeks in a row, they started the show with Enzo. That's I mean, and, and last and last week, Sasha Sasha actually started the show but the segment you know what i'm saying like two weeks in a row the opening segment had enzo amori in it yeah that's nuts like you're like it used to be a big thing like when cm punk was champion and people would be outraged that the show started with john cena instead of cm punk yeah. like <laughs> starting the show is a big deal it is uh and they're trusting enzo with the keys it's i mean great. and listen in the three hour raw era opening the show is always going to be a, be a big deal because it's like there's it, it's going to be a 15 20 minute segment you know right. like there's no it's not going to be a throwaway mm. um you know the, the a lot of the uh, a lot of my complaints about raw these days are still the length of the show there's just a whole For lot sure. of stuff going on smackdown is especially the especially the hulu smackdown which you're a big advocate of such a joy to watch it's very manageable it's just like a it's a stream <laughs> what is it like a streamlined like like 80 minutes or yeah, something like that great. of wrestling no no because raw is 90 i mean smackdown's got to be even less i don't think they cut as much from smackdown though so i think it's still around the same i'm a big i'm a big pro- like i've been watching everything i've been watching almost everything live uh east coast live but the but it's a um 
That's I, always been the big, I mean, that's always been the best thing about NXT too, right? Like everybody raves about like the creative direction or the characters or whatever it is they want to fuss about. It's an hour. That's <laughs> yeah. what it is. Because no matter how bad it gets, and here's the thing, NXT gets bad sometimes. There's sure. some lousy fucking matches, but it's only an hour. It's 60 minutes of your life and then you're out. Uh, like that's, that is the, the perfect length for a wrestling show if you ask me. Yeah. Whew. Um, I totally agree. And uh, on that on that note, probably we should probably end this podcast before it gets to the three hour mark. Yeah. <laughs> um, listen, uh, there's other stuff we could have talked about, but I'm glad that we got to talk about everything we did. I'm glad that we got some PWG into yeah, the show. I love talking about PWG. Um, but and, I, and here's if I may, if you're digging CWC, if you're like, what? How on earth can? David and Aubrey be complaining about the CWC. It's so amazing to see all these young guys doing crazy, innovative stuff and it's new and fresh and different. Order a PWG DVD. Order any PWG DVD. Order the most recent one. Order one with people who you like in WWE now to see what they did beforehand. Order any PWG DVD and you'll be absolutely blown away. Also, furthermore, go to a local wrestling show because your your local wrestling show isn't going to have all the guys that PWG has on it. But if if the bookers are doing their job, they'll have one or two of them. They'll have like they'll have one or two really top yeah, tier indie guys, and you can go see them for like eight or ten bucks. Beer will be cheap. It'll be family friendly. It'll be a fun time. Like I don't know. There's, CWC isn't your only option yeah, to see that. Type the of things wrestling. that I like most about CWC actually are the things are the interstitial stuff. The like the 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 announcers, the oh, stuff yeah. between the matches. They're doing a good job making it feel sort of legit and make and doing and putting good packages together. Um, but you're right about the matches. I was saying to somebody probably at PWG about how um, one of my favorite, like one of the coolest byproducts of Lucha Underground is that there's all these like really good Mexican wrestlers that are working the indie scene now where like a mm. match that, like a card in, you know, Indiana that would have been, had nobody that you've heard on heard, heard of on it before now has like Pentagon Jr. And because of him, maybe it's like, well, we got him. Let's go ahead and ante up and get Hero or get like yeah. Chuck Taylor or whatever. And now there's like two guys and maybe there's a third guy that you've heard a little bit about. And that's an indie show you should go check out. Absolutely. Um, it, that show would have had Rhino on it. Now he's on SmackDown. <laughs> uh, anyway, man, uh, thank you for coming by. Of what, course. One, plug all your stuff. Hey. I, well, there's one, there's one plug that people listening to the show should... There, there's a couple of them, yeah. actually. Uh, so, listen, we did, there's a lot of stuff we didn't cover today, yeah. right? A lot of stuff from Raw. We didn't really touch on SmackDown at all. Uh, tomorrow, so that's the 11th, August 11th, at, what did we say, 6 p.m.? Yeah. Uh, 6 p.m. Pacific time. Uh, Shoemaker's coming on my show, Straight Shoot. Uh, and we're going to talk Raw, SmackDown, NXT, CWC. We won't cover everything, but we'll cover as much sure. as we can from each show. It's going to be a blast. If you haven't listened to it before, it is a very kind of like specific topic oriented um look at all the stuff going on in we wrestling please tune into that uh it's gonna be fun it's gonna be great uh you can search for straight shoot on itunes google play stitcher Automatic. Stuff, yeah. uh, also aubreysitterson.com a-u-b-r-e-y-s-i-t-t-e-r-s-o-n.com it's got links to everything including all my social media um so this is a big week for me so not only am i doing your show not only are you doing my show but then friday uh no offense david but the biggest name i've ever I'm had really on my excited. show cody rhodes Cody Rhodes, uh, come on. Typically, my show is all about like looking at, like watching some wrestling and then talking very specifically about that. But Friday, we're doing something different. Cody's a pal of mine. He's coming on. We're going to talk about 
everything. We're going to talk about what he's got coming up, matches against Angle, uh, Evolve. He's participating in BOLA, which I'm super excited for, the PWG tournament. He's got Sammy Callahan, right? Space Cat Sammy Sammy Callahan. Sammy Callahan on the second night. I'm going to be on the front row, probably. Me too. We should sit together. I'm super excited about it. Uh, He's filming Arrow right now. Oh, really? Yeah, dude. He's going to be a character on Arrow. Um, That's public knowledge. It's not like a hot scoop or anything. Um, but yeah, he's got a lot going on, and we're going to be talking about all of it uh, on Friday at 5 p.m. Can Pacific you ask him time. a question for me? Yeah. I'm sure you're going to ask him this anyway, but the thing I'm most interested to know from Cody Rhodes yeah. is like how scared he is. to Like, like what's the feeling of, to wrestle his first indie match? Yeah, it's crazy, dude. I mean, that's one of the things I'm really interested to talk to that guy. So he's a fascinating really really smart dude like yeah. smarter like you can tell he's smart just from the way he comports himself and, and wrestles and all but he's smarter than you realize i think and one of the things i'm really excited to talk to him about is because he's had an experience that is a bizarre one not just for a wrestler but for any human being in 2016 and that he got signed by wwe when he was like 19 or something yeah. and he worked there for his entire life he spent his entire working career yeah. at at wwe at one company that's crazy people change jobs every two years just in normal <laughs> businesses, right? Uh, so yeah, no, I'm really fascinated to hear about kind of his mindset it's, and like going into these indie matches and whether he feels like he needs to change anything up. That's or the not. thing. To me, it's like I think I said it's it's like if you were a if you were like a race car driver, like you're a professional NASCAR driver, and then one day you go to work and your crew's just like, hey, by the way, today motorcycles. You right. know, and you're yeah. just like, well, that's probably a thing I can do. Or even, but just, holy or even crap. just street racing, right? Yeah. If you're a NASCAR driver and then you're like, oh, now we're going to do drag racing. Yeah. These are very different things, yeah. right? Like very. they're the same, but they're very, very different. So, yeah, no, I'm I'm very excited to hear his thoughts on that. I'm stoked about it. And if you have questions, again, go to aubreycitizen.com. There are links that you can actually go to the Google Hangout and submit questions for Cody. Let's, uh, let's, we'll continue this conversation tomorrow. Yes, sir. Thanks for stopping by, of course, man. I'm for at me. David Shoemaker uh, on the Twitter and uh, go to the ringer.com. Um, go to the ringer.com slash merch and buy some cool stuff. And uh, thanks, Isabella and Joe Fuentes and uh, Tate doesn't really get a thanks this week. But thank you, Aubrey Sitterson. Thanks for having me. And great job on that mid-roll, man. It was really, really nice this week. Maybe the highlight of my career. <laughs> uh, have a good weekend, humanoids. Hey, this is Ben Lindbergh from the Ringer MLB Show. This week, we talked about how to rebuild a baseball team with two people who are in the process of doing that, Yankees general manager Brian Cashman and Brewers general manager David Stearns. You can subscribe to the Ringer MLB Show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts.